And to me, lifting weights is kind of like similar to life because no matter where you are, you're going to have obstacles, right? And as you get stronger, there's going to be bigger obstacles. As you get more successful, there's going to be bigger successful. They said more money, more problem. It's not more money, more problem. It's more money, different kind of problem. Welcome to the Art of Communication, where entrepreneurs learn to grow their business more effectively through mastering their ability to connect to others. Whether you're looking to increase revenue, widen your network, or just getting others to buy into your vision, we'll help you dramatically transform your business and life by communicating more effectively, improving your leadership skills, and reinvesting time back into your family. You're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and your life. So let's start the conversation with your host, Greg Rice. What's up, guys? Today, I am sitting down with Sam Bakhtiar. Sam is a doctor, CEO, author, world-class bodybuilder, and multi-million dollar entrepreneur. He also runs a fitness franchising business, the Camp Transformation Center, which has over 110 locations. And Sam really has a tremendous and fascinating story. And we kind of get into that, how he overcome a lot of challenges in his life. And today he's helping people join the 1% Club. What that means is he's helping them achieve top 1% in any and every aspect of their lives. So we talk about how to do that and how, how he's helping others achieve that goal. So Sam, welcome to the Art of Communication podcast. Uh, super excited to have you on today. Greg, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor and privilege to be on your show. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. And I think we're going to learn a ton from your own story of transformation, as well as how you help others transform. And for me, from a communication perspective, that's really what I'm interested in getting into. But first things first, I see that you went to Penn State, that you won Mr. Pittsburgh. Are you from the Pittsburgh area originally? Because I am. I'm, a, I'm a, from a little town called Sharon. Oh, yeah. You know where Sharon is? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in Coriopolis. And actually, I spent a number of years as a waiter at Quaker Steak and Lube. In oh, yeah. Which one? In Sharon or the one in Pittsburgh? The one in Pittsburgh. So the first one that opened outside of Sharon, yeah. um, I was there like probably year two after they opened for a number That's of years. My favorite spot back home for wings. <laughs> I bet it is. I bet it is. I've never actually been to the original one. The original one, man, is uh, it, it was like when I first came to America. You know, I remember when my uncle got me the first, you know, I had the first taste of chicken wings in America. I was, <laughs> it was like the best thing since sliced bread. And to this day, because I'm, I'm an East Coast guy, grew up on wings, to me, like football and, you know, you know any kind of uh, sport activity without wings is not the same. <laughs> I got to have like, if, if, we're, if we're watching football, I got to have wings. If there's a boxing match, I got to have wings. If there's some kind of sports activity, wings comes with it. I love it. Yeah. And for me, it's wings, yes, but also beer, which is sometimes the downfall, you know, not so good for you. Neither are the wings, but nonetheless, speaking of football, you a Steelers guy then? I have to be. All right. I love that. Love that. I I can forgive you for going to Penn State. I'm a Pitt guy. I have my undergrad and MBA from Pitt. You know, a bunch of family members have gone to Pitt, so I'm a Pitt guy. So I don't have much love for Penn State, but yeah, but you know what, man? We know at least we're in the same area. At least you didn't go to Ohio State or something. You know what I mean? So we're good. Yeah, true. That's where my wife went. So, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> but anyway, man. So um, I'd love to kick us off by just hearing a little bit about your story of transformation, because it sounds like you you've obviously accomplished a ton, which we'll get into. But I know it didn't start there, and you 
you know, you weren't born a bodybuilder either, and you've had tremendous success in that arena. So I'd love just to hear a little bit about the transformation that you went through on your own. And then we can talk about how you help others transform. Absolutely. We'd love to. Sure. So just um, if you want to, uh, I'd love to just hear. So I, I guess kind of back in high school, maybe middle school is when you first got the urge to move towards bodybuilding and transform, right? So tell me a little bit about that. So, you know, the reason this whole thing happened is kind of crazy because we came to America in 1985 and we moved to America from Iran, from a third world country. Mm-hmm. And when I was coming to America, you know, I was doing research. And back then, they didn't have internet. They didn't have mm-hmm. what we know. So my research was, let me see some American TV shows and see what America is all about. So I was watching like, you know, TV shows called Dallas, like Dynasty and the A-Team. I think you're too young for that. But yeah, no, I remember I Dallas and Dynasty. You remember? Okay, I was a so, kid. My parents watched them, but yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I was watching them and then I was like, oh my God, like everybody in America have mansions and Bentleys and Cadillacs and, you know, these, these huge, huge homes. And we're going to go where everybody's a multimillionaire. We're going to, you know, we're going to go to paradise. Well, they didn't show the bad parts of, of America. And, mm-hmm. and at, at a, all, the, I thought I was coming to Beverly Hills, Craig, but I landed in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Yeah, a little and different. My, and, and my uncle had a store, a convenience store in the hood. And the hood of Sharon, Pennsylvania, there's Sharon, Sharpsville, and Farrell. And Farrell is the hood. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm talking about, you know, outside her, his, his store was pimps, prostitutes, and drug dealers. There's all those abandoned steel, you know, steel mills. Mm-hmm. And that was my first impression of America. I'm like, where is JR? Where is all the, <laughs> where, where is all the millionaires? And, 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 I, and I came to a pretty filthy part of, you know, America. You know, like I said, it was old abandoned steel mills. They're all rusted. And, you know, uh, you know, there was abandoned buildings. And, you know, like I said, it was the middle of crack cocaine epidemic. So that was my first impression of America. And how old were you at this time? I'm sorry. I was 11. 11. Okay. And uh, I went to seventh, you know, I went to school to enroll in Sharon, you know, for seventh grade. As soon as I walked in, I was the only minority they've ever seen. You know, it was black people. There was white people. It was Sam. And, you know, so I walked in there and I didn't speak the language. My clothes was different. There's nothing that you find at the mall, you know, and, you know, haircut was different. So immediately everybody was like, what is that? What is that? Who, you know, she's not black. He's not white. Who is, you know, and uh, so I wanted to enroll in seventh grade so I could learn how to speak English and continue education. And I also um, wanted to play football and not the American football because I didn't know what American football was. I wanted to play the real football as the world knows it. You know, and they're like, well, no, we, we don't have that. That's called soccer here. We have baseball, football, American football, and uh, basketball. So I never, I never knew anything about baseball. Never heard anything about American football. I didn't know, but I knew basketball. I never played it, but I knew the, the object of the game is dribble the ball and throw it in the hoop. I said, "Well, how, how hard can that be? I'm going to try out for the basketball team." So I never forget. It was I tried out for the basketball team in the cold Pennsylvania winter. Twenty-three people tried out for the basketball team. Twenty-two people made it. One person didn't make it, and it was me. Yeah. And at that time, it was like the biggest blow. I was like so, so, so sad. I was crying all the way home. I walked all the way home in the snow. And today I realized that me getting cut from the basketball team was one of the best things that happened to me. 
And if you guys are gonna follow my story, people are watching or listening to this, you're gonna see that all my biggest devastations became my superpower. You know, so I went home and I told my mom, I said, Mom, I don't like this country. People are making fun of me. I'm getting called names. I'm getting bullied. You know, I don't understand the language. I got cut from the basketball team. I'm the laughing stock of school right now. You know, what am I, you know, I want to go back home. So my mom told me three things at that time that forever changed my trajectory of life. And, you know, this is something that I finally came to a realization. Why am I the way I am? And believe it or not, only about a month ago, I came across, this is what happened. You know, because people say, Sam, why are you so disciplined? Why do you manage your time? You know, I manage my time. Look, see, why do you do certain things a certain way? And I didn't know why until, I, you know, when I went back and looked at the, the, my mind tape, if you will, you know, I came out with, my mom sat down to me and said, Sam, we came here as refugees. We, we escaped the country. We can't go back. So that right there taught me a concept called burning the boats. We call it burning the boats, right? At some point, you don't want to give yourself an option. This is it. I got to make the best out of it. I'm going to make it no matter what. Two, then she says, Sam, do you really want to play basketball? Do you want to really do something, you know, play basketball? I said, mom, I got to do something. I was a star player, star soccer player in our country. Now I have nothing. Mm -hmm. He goes, all right, Sam, you can be whoever you want and do whatever you want as long as you're willing to work hard for it. Are you willing to work hard? I said, yes. So she gave me the concept of working hard and putting in time. Then she said, Sam, well, here, here's the plan. At 2.15, you're going to get out of school. By the time you walk to the boys' club, it'll be 2.30. From 2.30 to 5, you practice basketball. They'll come after work, pick you up. You can do your homework and do that every day so you get better so you can try out next year. So that right there started giving me a, a schedule, an accountability. And to this day, I'm very schedule-oriented. So that was the plan. And I was going, as I was going to play basketball, you know, uh, after about a month or two, I, while I was walking in and I saw these big guys walk coming downstairs from this room you know, at, at the boys club. And these guys all look like Arnold and Sylvester Stallone. And back then Arnold movies were hot and, you know, the Terminator movies. I was always watching those movies. And I, wanted, I was like, I want to look like them. Cause I remember looking at Arnold's arm. I was staring at him. I'm like, I want to be like him. And so, I decided to, you know, go see what's going on upstairs. And I walked in and there was a bunch of guys, both steel workers, you know, in their steel toe boots, in their overall dirty, dirty clothes, mm -hmm. just lifting some insane weights. I mean, just bah, bah. And at that time I was a squatty little kid, you know, I was looking at these guys, I'm like, oh my God. And because in school I wasn't accepted, because, you know, you know, at that time, you know, 11, 12 years old, 12, you know, and, you know, nobody like kids can be very harsh at that time. You know, I wasn't accepted. I came to a weight room and I saw these big guys. I thought they wouldn't accept me either. But to my surprise, these big guys were like, hey, you know, they were really cool. They, they took me in these big, strong guys, man. They're like, show me how to lift weights correctly. They told me how to eat. They, they had me, you know, could, you know, be there in their little clip, even though I couldn't do nothing that they were doing. Mm -hmm. But they were just watching me and giving me pointers and all that kind of stuff. You know, they, they kind of became my, like, father figure. You know, they kind of became my, my like, little gang in the weight room. And that's how I started working out. And, and after, you know, a couple of months of working out, I started, like, developing little baby muscles. 
And I started seeing progress, you know, in the, in the beginning, I couldn't even do the bar. Mm-hmm. And after a couple of weeks, I could do 10 pounds in each bar. A few more weeks, you know, you know 20 pounds. You know, before you know it, I was now on a big plate. And to me, lifting weights is kind of like similar to life. Because no matter where you are, you're going to have obstacles, right? And as you get stronger, there's going to be bigger obstacles. As you get more successful, there's going to be bigger successful. They said more money, more problem. It's not more money, more problem. It's more money, different kind of problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, and in the weight room, no matter how strong you get, there's always a weight that you cannot do. And you have to be able to strive to be able to get better and better and better. And in life, yeah. same thing. So I fell in love with what, you know, what weights did for me, not only on the outside, but also how it changed my mindset. How it showed me that I can, I can progress if I just stick to something. Because I was just sticking to it and sticking to it. The first time I lifted weights, Greg, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> the next morning I got up, I'm like, what did happen to me? I was like, I felt like somebody just punched me all over. Yeah, and I couldn't walk, walk for a week. And, and I remember, you know, getting, getting some Bengay. And I'm rubbing it all over me. The whole house stunk. One time I forgot that I had Bengay on my arm, you know, on, on my hand. I went to pee and I grabbed my stuff with, with Bengay. And I was <laughs> dying, man. My, you know, my private part was like, you know, screaming, you know. And that's when I knew that I wanted to do that the rest of my life. I wanted to transform myself, but I also want to help other people transform, you know, physically. That will lead to eventually mentally, emotionally you know, and, 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 and touch every aspect of their life. Yeah. A lot, lot of great and powerful stuff there, especially from a communication perspective, like the conversation you had with your mother that really gave you powerful guidance, even to today and really did guide your path. And I'm always thinking about, so I have five kids, right? Interestingly. So four of them are adopted. Two of them I brought home from China at nine and 10, didn't speak any English at all. Right. So a, a similar scenario, a little bit different than yours, right? But there's definitely some similarities. But I'm always thinking about how can I communicate with them in a way that will empower them in the future and help them make good decisions, even while I'm exhausted from work and dealing with the other four kids and everything else that we got going on in life, you know? So that's one part. The second part is the the way the weightlifting community took you in. Right. And it helps me think about the impact of community and how important it is when you're in a community to be open to others. Right. And, and teaching them and letting them come in and grow because it's just so powerful. And it's really the only way any of us get better at anything is by learning from others who've done it before. And then I, I love how you tie together kind of weightlifting in life. And just to add one piece to that, something else I've always thought about it. I'm sure you've thought about it, too, is you get stronger by getting your weakest. Right. Like you lift till you fail. And that's how you get stronger. And I've found the same thing in life, right? Well, the same thing like you said, like you get your superpowers through your failures where you have the hardest time is where you grow the most. And so I really agree with you in looking through that lens. You know, um, I've, I've talked to so many people in life, you know, so many, you know, and the thing that keeps coming up is that without obstacles, without stress, there comes depression. Mm-hmm. And there comes the, the downfall of the man. You know, even your body, even your body, the way you, here, here, how, how do you get vaccinated against the disease? You introduce the disease. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I mean? So obstacle is not in the way. Obstacle is the way. Mm-hmm. You have to build up the strength to be able to overcome it, to be able to achieve your goal. I, I interviewed Dr. David Sinclair. He's one of the 
he, he's a Harvard professor, the number one anti-aging guy. And he talks about the fact that you need to put your body through stress to make it stronger. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, he's a big, big thing about, you know, making you, you put your body in extreme cold and extreme heat to build those immune systems, to build those cells, mm-hmm. you know, you know, to be able to do that. You know, he, he, talk, he talks about the power of fasting, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just so true in so many different levels and so many different things when it comes to whether, whether it's entrepreneurship, whether it's your body, whether it's just becoming a man, you know, you know, how can you become a man or a woman if you never face adversity, if you never get your teeth kicked in, you know what I mean? True. You know what I mean? You know, how can you, you know, you know, how can you be, how can you, you know, call yourself a human if you haven't done that? And unfortunately in this society today, you know, where, you know, everybody's just like, you know, sitting on, on the couch and being on the computer. And sometimes they don't really face the real adversity that we have. I think sometimes we need to create artificial adversity, you know, you know, to be able to push ourselves beyond what we normally push ourselves to get better. Yeah. Yeah. So as we're, as you're thinking about, or I guess, as you're talking about helping folks overcome, overcome adversity and transforming their lives, it's one thing to transform your life. I think it's a completely different thing to motivate somebody else to transform theirs. And I'm curious of your thoughts, uh, you know, thinking from a communication perspective on how you connect with them, build the trust with them and motivate them to do everything they need to do to transform their lives and then stay transformed. You know, the way I communicate with them, you know, and, and this, is a, this is a great subject, and a great question, very, very good question. You know, I've learned this in life, that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. You know, and no matter what I say, no matter what I communicate, if somebody is not ready, they're not going to be ready. So what I've done is by showing them what I do. See, my, my children, they're not going to listen to me. That they'll, they'll listen to me, but they're not going to be able to, oh, well, because dad said, so I'm, here's what I'm going to do. But they'll watch me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if I lead by example, and through the, whole, through the whole process, communicate what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, mm-hmm. that is the best way than just try to, hey, do this. Hey, do that. Hey, I want you to do this. Here's why you... You got to let them know why you do it, how you do it, and what benefit it has for them while you're doing it in front of them. You know, and I think leading by example is the greatest way to to persuade someone. Yeah, and you communicate with a lot more than just your words, right? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, so I think that it's, it's important to look at it holistically. And both parents and CEOs and leaders of companies don't realize, I think, how much they communicate outside of what they say. You know, I, I didn't realize it. You know, I had the other day we were driving and my six-year-old out of nowhere. She goes, Daddy, she goes, I need to make some money. <laughs> you know? And so he, I have a plan. I said, what's the plan? Goes, well, I want to make some lemonade stand, you know, and then I'm going to, you know, you know, get this stuff, you know, from Albertsons, you know, it's the grocery store. And I'm going to make a lemonade stand. I want to put it on this road. I said, well, I told her there's COVID going on right now. I don't think that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good plan. She goes, she thought about it. She goes, how about I sell face masks? I'm like, there you go. There you go. And it's so crazy because 
because he watches, she, she listens to me talk business. Mm-hmm. And now out of nowhere, I didn't expect that. You know, and, and that would, that, that's the greatest, greatest, that, that, was, that was like, wow. Yeah. She's quite resourceful. Yes, very, <laughs> very much so. And creative. That's awesome. So uh, working with somebody to transform their body versus working with somebody to transform their business, what are the things in common and differences that you see across those two different landscapes? They're the same. They're really the same. You know, all you have to do is create the discipline and transfer the discipline over. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't because of bodybuilding, I probably wouldn't have the same discipline that I have right now in business. You know, um, you know, there's a saying that the, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, to me, you know, building your body requires discipline, time management, mm-hmm. requires being resourceful, requires you studying and learning your body, studying and learning nutrition, you know, getting around people who are, you know, bigger and stronger and better than you, like I did, you know, and, and asking them questions and see, see how they increase their bench press and how, how come this guy has it, oh, his arms are so big, what is his routine going? Well, what, guess what? The business is the same way. If you want to grow your business, you have to have time management. You have to be, have a clear plan and focus on what you got to work on. You got to get yourself around the right people that are, that are doing what you want to be doing, asking the right questions, communicating with them. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's really the same thing. Yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it and completely agree. Now, kind of tying those two things together, you're currently running a growing and successful business, right, of gyms, um, which I think you take a little bit of a unique approach around helping folks up their fitness level. So tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about, you know, helping people, you know, get results. But we all know when, when you want to get in shape, everybody knows what to do, especially, you know, in America where they say 42% of people are, you know, borderline obese. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows the recipe. The recipe is what? Eat less than you burn. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, that's the recipe for weight loss, right? How come we fail? You know, in the 90s, we said fat was the problem. We took the fat out and we got fatter. Mm. You know, then it, in, 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 in the 2000s and now, you know, it was, it was the carbs. We took the carbs out. We got fatter. So it's not the fat or the carbs or anything like that. It's the lifestyle, right? It's the lifestyle that, 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 you know, it's not gluten that matters. It's glutton. You know, he's putting too much food in your mouth, right? And not enough exercise called a disease of the modern man. So if everybody knows what to do, how come everybody fails? You know? So then we have to approach the mindset, what we have to do to try to overcome our mindset. And so, you know, I came up, I came up with a program called the six week, 20 pound challenge, you know, where, where basically I told people that I will train them for free. If they show up every day, if they follow the protocol that I have set up for every day, they have to do everything that I tell them to do. They show up for 42 days, they lose 20 pounds, they get their money back. And at first, you know, everybody was apprehensive. Everybody, my business partners, everybody was apprehensive. And they were like, well, I don't know, man, what's going on? I don't know if I want to do that. You know, I, I don't know. My business partner was like, that's not it. What do you mean? People are going to lose weight. You want to give them their money back? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, how are we going to make money? I'm like, let's just get people in shape. 
Nobody wanted to do it. So I started doing it myself. You know, I started getting people and I said, look, you're going to pay for it, but you're going to get your money back once you follow through. Mm-hmm. So these people started working out and start following the protocol. Usually about two, three weeks into it, something happens, right? You know, you got, you got, a, you got an event, you know, you go, uh, somebody offers you something, something happens in your life. You know, you want to, you want to stop. And normally like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to start back on Monday. And that never happens. Well, this time they're like, wait a second. I don't want to lose my money. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to do that. So I want to, I want to push through no matter what. So what they do, they push through. And once the push through goes, the breakthrough comes through. Mm-hmm. Wherever they always had that self-limiting belief that always failed, that never pushed through. Now they push through that barrier and the breakthrough set in. And they're like, wow, I actually did it. So I never want to go back and, and do, be become that person that I was. And after that, they all stayed and all referred. And that was the basis of our, you know, um, our program. Is that still something that gyms follow today? Because I think you have over 100 gyms franchised today, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. It's been the number one successful weight loss program in the country wow. for the past five years. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, separate question, but related to the business, right? So you are in a franchisee type of organization. Right. So, and that's a unique kind of organization that brings a lot of communication challenges, if you will. Right. Because you don't necessarily have control of those businesses, but you are trying to do what's best for them and communicate in a way that gets you all moving in the same direction. So I'm curious of what you've learned about effective communication within the franchisee model. That is the cornerstone. If you don't have effective communication, you really don't have a franchise. You know, think you, you think about a franchise as like an, um, like an army unit where the franchisor is giving commands and you have the army unit in the front fighting the fight. And if there's miscommunication, then businesses will go out of business mm-hmm. you know, in, in what we do. And because our name is on the line and obviously people's livelihood is online, it's very important for effective communication and often communication you know you know you know you know people say if you're effective you don't need to communicate often and it's not necessarily true you know over communication is our concept we rather over communicate than under communicate i rather somebody tells ma'am man you told me that already you told me that i want it to be ingrained you know i want it to be like the ten commandments you know that you got you know our, our vision our mission you know, is understood very well. And, and we also have technology, you know, and, 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 and different things that we use to make sure that we not only communicate, communicate effectively, communicate in a way that it can be found easily and it can be, um, you know, put in process easily. Mm-hmm. Sure. So to switch topics a little bit, tell me about the podcast, the, the one percenter and, and the kinds of folks that you're talking to there. But a one percenter podcast, man. I mean, it, it's been my, you know, my labor of love, and for me is to interview people and really get to know the insights. To me, it's like, gosh, it's the it's the fastest and the most effective and the most frugal way of getting a coaching lesson from someone 
of high caliber. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I, I I bring so many different guests off that, that I'm interested. So I'm doing the podcast for me, and people get to listen to it. <laughs> but I really get people in, and I, I want to ask them questions. People like you know that I really want to get to know them and what they do and the ways that they do certain things. And um, today, thanks to the podcast platform, YouTube, technology, information is so so easily, readily accessible. Mm-hmm. And if anyone is out there that wants to, you know, they have, they have a goal, they want to try to get their life to the next level, why not reach out to the people who are already doing it? You know, you know, you know, get mentorship, interview them, you know, buy their books, you know, and, and, and get to, you know, get, you know, I mean, gosh, that's 20 years ago. This wasn't available. Absolutely. I mean, the likelihood of you and I talking right now would be much lower. <laughs> we would have never met, right? Had mm-hmm. I not had this podcast in place and built a network of folks um, yes. that are also connected to your network. So it is a very powerful platform and yes. I've been loving it so far. So with that in mind, what are the top two or three le- new lessons that you've taken away from folks that you've interviewed on your podcast that maybe you didn't have in your wheelhouse before? Top two, let me see. Let me see lessons that I've taken away in the podcast. Well, today, you know, um, I had Ryan Mishler, you know, and we talked about how important it is. You know, we, you know I learned that, you know, in the industrial age, kind of took a man away from, you know, a man from, away from the house. Because in agriculture days, you know, we know the man was farming and the kids were in there. And because the man was taken away from, from the house, now we're having a, a lot more boys and girls being raised by their mother. And even though mother is essential and, 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 and not taking nothing away from the mothers, you know, the man role is also essential to able to raise their sons and their daughters and show them what a man can do. So it's very important for us to realize that and make adjustments to make sure we are there and having a, a masculine presence in the house so that our kids can, can learn from. So, so, our, so, so Timmy can become, you know, see what a man looks like. And also, you know, you know, the daughter, you know, you know, Say, say Tiffany can see what a man, what, what, what kind of man she should look for when she grows up. Mm-hmm. You know, that, so that, that was, uh, you know, that, that was, that was profound. And one of the other things that, you know, I've learned is, you know, uh, this is, um, I, I love talking about, you know, this kind of stuff, you know, was nutritionally, you know, nutritionally, you know, I was raised to, as a bodybuilder, you have to eat every two and a half, three hours. That was considered healthy. I was considered, that's what you want to do to, to build muscle and lose body fat. But when I got deeper into nutrition, um, that I learned that bodybuilding and longevity is two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, to build muscle, you, you know, you have to eat every two and a half, three hours. But right now at 47, I'm not trying to be that bodybuilder anymore. I'm not trying to have 20 inch arms. I'm trying to live the longest and not only add more life to my years, but add more years to my life, both of them, right? And so fasting, you know, fasting and the process of autophagy, you know, and, um, and the things are, are, are so, so crazy. So I went from somebody who eats six or seven or eight times a day to now I eat once a day. Okay. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. I've certainly done some, well, done some research, done a little bit of intermittent fasting myself, um, but haven't shifted to the one meal a day approach. I've tried the two meal a day approach, but one meal a day would take some definite get used to. Got to work my way there. Yeah. You know, you know, if at first week or so is hard, you know, but after a while, you know, I felt great. I feel great. I'm so much more mentally focused and I'm less tired and I get to enjoy a, a nice meal too. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to watch, oh my God, like I got to just eat chicken breast now, or whatever it is. I can have a, like a, a reasonable meal, you know, that I don't have to feel guilty about. It's got to be a huge meal though, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it, you know, it's a huge meal. I, I would say it's probably like 3000 calories. You know, but, you know, it, but, but I enjoy it. So I don't have to be like, oh, my God, but I can't have this and I can't have that. I can just have a nice meal. And I'm mentally so much sharper. That's uh, good to know that an expert like yourself uh, validates that fasting is a good way to go. So appreciate yeah. that, that recommendation, even though it's a bit outside of communication. So a few more questions that I'd like to ask everybody who I have on the show. Yeah. First one, and you kind of already answered this, but you might have another one in mind, right? So I really believe in the power of a single conversation the power that one conversation can have on your overall life and the journey that you take. So I always like to ask my guests if there's one conversation they can point to that had a really meaningful impact on the path that you ended up taking. You obviously already mentioned the one with your mother. Don't know if there's any other ones that you might want to call up and share with us. I've had many conversations, man. I had many conversations, but then usually the conversation that has, you know, a huge impact in your life is the conversation that opens your mind to bigger things mm-hmm. you know i remember you know and, and i'm going to just you know tell you this because because it's kind of like it didn't change my life it just opened my eyes you know um you know i you know I'll, I'll, you know we all have like financial goals and things that you want you know and all that kind of stuff but you know a lot of people are asking sam when, when are you going to get a jet and i thought man there's no way i can ever be at that level to get a jet or i will ever be at that level to be a jet i mean I, I, you got x y and z so I was invited to uh, one of my friends who has a private jet, you know, to, to go to San Luis one day. And I was sitting down there. And he asked me, why don't you get a jet, Sam? I go, his name is Ed. I go, Ed, I'm not at your level. I don't <laughs> think, you know, you know, I'm like, Ed, I said, Ed, I'm not at your level. And then he sat down and he broke it down how easily it is for me to get a jet. And that just blew my mind, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't any, any more than I had to do now. So even though that's not a life-changing conversation, but it just blew my mind that you can have those kind of conversations so many different times, so many different things to be able to be able to do. I think it's a great example, right? What I found in life is somebody's done what you want to do before and they don't have superhuman powers, right? Yeah. They found yeah. a way to achieve it, um, which normally is, you know, changing small things here and there, doing this and that, or connecting with this person or that person, things that are in your power to do, at least eventually, if you plan to be able to build towards that. And I think that's a great example of that, right? And, and yeah, and great. Another conversation that I want to tell you about is that I was the guy who was a super achiever, but I was never happy when I reached a goal. I always set another goal, another goal, another goal. So every time I reached a goal, it wasn't like a celebration. It was almost like an agony. Like, oh gosh, man, I can reach this goal. Cool. What's next? <laughs> like, I'll never sit down and be like, hey, man, you did a good job. You worked hard or whatever. You know, what's next? You know, what's next? And so um, my pastor told me, you know, you know, Sam, it's okay to have goals. But here's, here's what I want you to tell yourself. 
And, you know, it really grounded me. And to this day, it's something that I tell myself every single day. I always tell myself, I'm not where I want to be. But thank God, I'm not where I used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, that made a lot of sense to me. And every time I get little, my God, man, I'm not where I want to be. I don't want to be. I, I look around, you know, I'm like, gosh, man, coming from where I come from, coming from coming to the United States with $500 on the luggage, coming from, you know, not, you know, you know, raised without a dad, you know, you know, living the projects and getting food stamps and, you know, all that kind of stuff to, to not, not having any financial education, you know, to, to where I am right now. Well, I'm like, all right, well, I'm not where I want to be. I still want to do more, but gosh, man, I, I done okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, it's just being grateful. Yeah. Very cool. So second question for you, as you think about all that you've accomplished, if there's one communication skill that you could have had in more abundance that would have made it easier, what would that have been? One communication skill. Gosh, man, the one communication skill that I sucked at (laughs) and I still struggle with. And I still struggle with, I'm a lot better is to be able to not only be able to be precise in communicating and not assuming people already know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but also to be able to be, to communicate in a way that is less offensive. You know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I come from a sports background, locker room background, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I'm always very direct, very to the point, you know, and I found that that in, in the business world, that works for some people, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work for other people. So sometimes you have to be able to learn to tailor your communication based on someone's personality and based on their trigger points and emotional, uh, emotional hub buttons to, for you to get the best out of them. See, com- communication is not like one way of communication works for everybody. You really got to figure what communication, which kind of communication works for that particular person. 100%. Yeah, you have to tailor the message to the individual you're speaking with, not just throw the same message out there and assume that they're taking away what you want them to take away. And you talked about earlier, over-communicating, I think, is also key. Even if it's like, God, you already told me that, right? You know that they're getting it because you've communicated it multiple times. And, and I, I, I used to suck at that. I, 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 used, I used to be horrible at it because I assume people already knew what I was talking about. I only need to say it one time and, you know, we were good. And that's what I was never the case. And that, that, that method failed me over and over and over again. I've suffered from that same challenge and still do from time to time. So cool. So last question, who's the best communicator that you know, either know personally or know of, and why do you say that about them? So if I have to pick one, man, I would have to say Anthony Robbins. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think he, he's direct, he's eloquent, and he's just, he's, he's just a great all-around communicator. You know, I remember seeing his infomercials when I first came to Sharon, 1985. <laughs> and when I got to meet, with, meet him and hang around with him, I'm like, this guy just got the communication down, hands down. You know, he knows how to get his message across, and he knows how to reach the masses. Yeah. Yeah. If if I had to pick one person to communicate with in this age, we'll be Anthony Robbins. Yeah. He's also a really powerful persuader in the moment, right? Making folks change behaviors and mindsets immediately on the spot. Um, It's amazing. It's amazing. 
So well, where can folks find you? You know, where can they find the podcast, the, the book? Where can they learn more about your businesses and your coaching and everything else that you're up to? Sure. You can just go, you know, go, you can Google my name and all my Instagram and websites and everything will come up. Sam Bakhtiar, S-A-M-B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R. Or you can text me directly at 909-200-4015. Wow. A direct phone number to text that. That's pretty awesome. Um, it's cool that you're open to hear feedback and, and help folks like that. So I appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Greg. Yeah. Yeah. No, this was a great conversation. I think we can all learn a lot from your story of transformation and how you're helping others transform their bodies and their businesses. So just really appreciate your time today and your thoughts. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on the show. Don't let the momentum stop now. Continue your path towards connecting at another level by joining the Communication Nation. We'll be discussing today's topics as well as more real-world solutions to transforming your life personally and professionally at facebook.com slash groups slash join the Communication Nation. Remember, you're only one good conversation away from transforming your business and life. And that conversation starts right here on The Art of Communication.